everyone. I'm Susie Sevier. And I'm Michael Barnhart. Welcome to the Adventures of a Real Estate Investor podcast, where we interview industry experts and chat with them about their passions and how they're leveraging real estate investing to create an impact in their world. What impact do you want to make? Did you know there are almost 8 billion people on this planet? What if each of us started with ourselves, with our family, in our community? All we have to do is start with a manageable 1% action every day. The effect of those billions of 1% gestures would be astronomical. This is your place to reflect and believe. Join us every week to start cultivating those ideas on the impact that you want to make in your world. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of The Adventures of a Real Estate Investor. I'm Susie. And I'm Michael. And we're excited you joined us for this adventure. So today's very special guest is Charlotte Dunford. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, we are super, super, super excited. It's going to be a lot of fun, especially because we're going to talk about an asset class that we have not mentioned on this podcast before. So stay tuned. Very excited. But with that, Charlotte, could you please share with our listeners a little bit about your background and why you started investing in real estate? Right. So my name is Charlotte Dunford. I am the managing partner at Johns Creek Capital, which is a private equity firm that focuses on mobile home park investing. So the reason why I got into real estate was after I graduated college in 2017, I started buying real estate on the side while holding my full-time job using my salary to finance the first real estate investment I had, which was a single family home in South Atlanta. And the second one was a duplex in North Georgia. And I really was enjoying the real estate investing adventures because of the two investments I was able to finance through my Mm -hmm. job. And I I really wanted to scale. I've always been interested in real estate ever since I was little, coming from China, where people are not allowed to own real estate. Everything is government owned. You actually cannot own any home. You just lease from the government for 70 years and then you pay for it. So that background gives me a really strong desire to own and buy real estate in a country where everything that that's allowed, that's very much illegally own your home, you own the land, right? So I wanted to scale, but my salary as a out of college fresh graduate, even though out of Georgia Institute of Technology, which is a really great school here in the South, I was not able to finance more than what I already had. It was a single mm-hmm. family home and a duplex. So I decided to took to take a jump into full-time investing. I quit my full-time job uh, my first time. My first job out of college, I quit that job, which is a really great job as a business data analyst. And using the little savings I had, and my husband at the time was, he also graduated from Georgia Tech, but he has not graduated yet. So I didn't have a job. My husband did not have a job. (laughs) We had a little saving and I had to launch a venture and make company work. So that's how Johnsford Capital came about. So I I started researching into what kind of real estate I wanted to get into. And I looked at multifamily, right? Everybody knows about multifamily. Everybody knows about apartment building. The book, it's books are everywhere. So I thought maybe I'll give it a shot. But I realized that I came into the game way too late. The multifamily people have been at it for decades. And when I talk to a broker in multifamily, they don't even look at you unless you have several hundred units under your belt. And if you're just starting out, it's extremely difficult with a very little money that I had and a 24, 25 year old girl, you know, starting out in real estate. So multifamily was a pass for me. And then I was an avid learner and listened to a podcast like yours, learning about real estate. And I came across mobile home parks and I realized it was kind of a ignored niche. Not a lot of people were into it. That's really right up my alley. I've always been a firm believer in the blue ocean strategy, which means that you either explore 
you, you open up a new market for yourself where not many people are in. So you do have a lot of fish in the ocean you can fish. You don't want to be in the red ocean where everybody is fishing in the same pool and you just mm-hmm. frankly don't have a lot of chances. So, so that's how I started mobile home parks and ocean strategy. I was able to get into it. The barrier of entry at the time when I started in 2019 was lower, definitely lower than now. And I'm glad I, I made that decision and take the job. So that's how I got started. I love that. Every and so time. do you mostly invest in mobile home parks in Georgia or all over the South? Or yeah. We actually, most of our parks are located in either the Midwest or okay. the Southeast. And we have several parks kind of scattered around the country, one in Maine, another one in Montana, another one out in Arizona. But I think you know, we really look at the park. We look at the deal um, mm-hmm. on, on, the, on an individual basis. We don't just blindly reject in, an entire state or region just because this park is located in a certain location. So we do look at things deal by deal. Mm-hmm. With that said, we, we do prefer landlord-friendly states and states with legislature built in to help small businesses and mobile home investment. What do you love about mobile home parks? So, you know, like I mentioned earlier, you know, how I was able to get into is blue ocean mm-hmm. strategy. And I'm a big believer in that. That's number one. And number two, mobile home parks, it, it really is a land business. It's a parking lot business. So it's not, it's, it's not the kind of traditional kind of real estate. It is real estate, but it's not something that is, it's not a standalone building. It's not an office building. It's not a, it's not a retail center. It's a parking lot where homes are owned by the homeowners themselves, your tenants. They own their homes. They actually pay you a lot fee, just like a parking lot fee every month to rent your lot. So you're really essentially renting on dirt and the land but b- below mobile home parks. So that's number one. It makes this model more simple and it, it brings le- it brings down the expense ratio. And the, the next reason, probably probably the most ex- important reason is mobile home park investments solve a major problem our country is facing. So with any kind of business, you're really out there to solve a problem. So the bigger the problem you're able to solve, the more money you're going to be able to make because, you know, this is really about solving problems. So the affordable housing crisis our nation has been facing, it's always been there and it's gotten worse in the past couple of years with COVID and with inflation, with the way economy is going. So people are seeking less expensive housing options, the most affordable housing option. And mobile home park, I would say, is the most affordable value for money housing option out there. The next step is if it's not really something attractive. And mobile home parks also, you know, it offers the feel for neighborhood. It gives people the opportunity to have that American dream of home ownership. And it also brings down the cost of living, the cost of housing, which is the biggest expense out of pretty much anybody's budget. So that is really what's attractive to me in mobile home parks is because the, the affordable housing crisis and so demand is high, right? And supply is limited because people are not really building new mobile home parks, not because they don't want to, it's because local authorities, governments don't really like mobile home parks. Mm-hmm. the stigma because of tax reasons, really. So it's extremely difficult to get new zoning permits and licenses to get new mobile home parks built. So with demand rising, supply limited, the value of the product really goes up. So that's what I like from a business business perspective, why this sector is so interesting. Yeah, that's really interesting for sure. So just for our listeners out there, so basically you buy a mobile home park, but then what you're saying is like, you rent out the pads like the that the mobile home is sitting on. Do you also potentially rent out the mobile homes? Is that like so you can like almost double dip, if you will, if somebody doesn't well, have a mobile home to move or park there? 
So that is actually something that we try to avoid is to own the mobile home. Right. So some okay. people might think, well, you know, if you have the mobile homes, you, you probably make more money, right? So you have the homes and you rent out the home. You not only charge them the lot rent, you also charge them the home rent. But that's the logic. But it's actually a little bit counterintuitive based on our experience and based on you know the actual expenses that we're looking at. Anything, a park with lots of park-owned homes, which means that we own the home, it, it's never, it's always a liability. It's always a headache. It's always a trouble because those homes are usually pretty, so they're brought into the park. You were, they were, they're usually built in the 80s. And, you know, it's 2022, so it's 40 years ago. And yeah. 40 to 50 years about the maximum life cycle of a mobile home that it, that it maintains a good water. So you're buying nothing but a headache that to maintain. And that is not to say that you can never win in this business. If you're buying a new mobile home, let's say 2022, 2021 model, and it probably needs less repairs and maintenance. But overall, we're in the land business. We're in the parking lot business. We really don't want to get into the home renting business. Then we're back to square one, right? And renting something that's really not in top-notch shape. You're not renting an apartment building that is built for that. And the model is just different. So in this business, parking lot, stick with that. Yeah. Is it quick follow-up to that and I'll let you get in here? Sorry. I'm assuming because if you rent it out to them, you, always have, you also have to maintain it, right? So it's more of a headache for you to do the maintenance and things like that. Well, if you're yeah, renting out just the lot, then people who ever put their mobile home on that lot, they are responsible for the maintenance of their own home, right? Right. They don't own the lot. They rent the lot from us. They right. own a home and they will be responsible for any, let's say, furnace broken, toilet broken, refrigerator needs replacing, all those sort of home maintenance problems that would be on the tenant themselves. And for us as park owners, I'm not saying that we don't have any expenses maintaining. What we need to maintain is our infrastructure. So that includes utility lines, right? Anything outside of the home from the end of the street to the outside of the home is our responsibility as park owners. And if you have a broken water pipe or a sewer line, sewer leakage, that happens a lot. You know, in the winter, especially things are broken, frozen. It's up to the park owner to fix that. And that could be a quite a big expense. So that's why I urge all the mobile home park investors, if you're you're wanting to buy your mobile home park, you want to make sure the utility lines are in top shape because that is really the biggest expense infrastructure. Maintenance. I can imagine. So something that I've noticed, like, because over here in England, like you go past a mobile home park and they're actually being rented out like Airbnbs. Like people will stay in them. They can become holiday homes. There is not really a differentiation between like a mobile home and like a flat. But in the US, as you mentioned before, like there is a big connotation where like communities aren't getting more zoning for them. People, if they have an opportunity, communities will actually try to push mobile home parks out. So like, what are you doing, I guess, for your mobile home parks in terms of like, advocating or like creating something more than just a plot of land so that they don't ever potentially get pushed out and they are seen as one in the community rather than like an eyesore where you drive past and you just see weeds overgrown. Right. So that would not be pleasant for anyone. That would not be pleasant for our residents. That would not be pleasant for people who live around the mobile home park. So a mobile home park does not need to have to be an eyesore. Sometimes they happen because of the owner's negligence. Mm -hmm. There are certain rules and regulations the city or the county or the state even posts on mobile home parks that, you know, they have inspections actually. You know, they keep things in shape where if you have certain things, let's say you have trash in the yard, even if that's not, you didn't put the trash there, but you just have trash in the yard. 
it's up to you as a park owner to clean that up. So, so you do have to maintain those standards. You do have to make sure your homes have, your homes have skirting. You know, if you're not, you know, sticking by those rules, it's it, before you know it, the city official will be knocking on your door and trying to shut your park down. And mm-hmm. if you don't address those violations, I mean, there will be fines and that's not a good situation. And, you know, yards and, uh, like, like you said, you know, the, the grass growing, that's all part of the maintenance. And as mobile home park owners, we, all of our tenants must mow their own yard, right? Because they're renting a lot, they mow their mm-hmm. own yard. For us, we just mow the uh, common area. But regardless, we need to make sure that, that the park is has a good curb appeal. It, it has some eyesore. And as far as pushing the community out, that's actually difficult to do. There will be things that people are trying to do. Let's say they, they want to get you out. But for mobile home parks, we actually are legally operating parks. So you can't just simply push us out, even though some people might want to. So I would say as a park owner, you want to make sure that you're sticking with the regulations. Work with the city. Be on their good side. And try to tell them that you are solving an affordable housing crisis in the city because it's all around the country. It's not just a particular city thing. City thing. So I would say I would say that demand is everywhere. Yeah. So I think you just need to work with the city and make sure that you follow their rules and regulation and take care of your park because it's really it brings your value down if your park yeah, it is an eyesore. So it's not a winning situation for anybody. Yeah. Have you ever thought about like buying a mobile home park and like transitioning it to like a tiny home park? Yeah, I have not really, we've not, we have never done that. I think that would require permitting and zoning mm-hmm. and tiny homes is a different business model. We're not really familiar with that. And with a perfectly good mobile home parks, it's actually making a lot of money. So not much reason for us to do that. You know, if, if the mobile home park is completely dead, then that might be different. So, yeah. but right now for an existing mobile home park, the homes are there. The cost to remove a home is roughly four to five thousand dollars per home, right? To demo them. To move a home is eight to ten thousand. So you can't really move them anywhere. So it's pretty rare for a mobile home park to be completely gotten rid of unless it's a bigger project that you got bigger funding with. And that's a different story. So for us, we don't really do that yet. Maybe you know, an opportunity as a future. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I was just curious. So one thing that's big for Susie and I, like as, cause we obviously invest in apartment complexes, like we, we invest in a certain area or like one state specifically because we love our property management company there so much. And it, and I know property management for mobile home parks is a little bit different. And I was wondering if you could share with the listeners, you know, how property management works for a mobile home park. And then like, do you have a systems structured in place? Like, where you can use those same systems and processes in each, yeah, in all of the different markets that you're in. Yeah, so we manage everything in house, and unlike multifamily mobile home parks, actually can be a tough asset to manage. And because of the special nature of this asset class, there aren't actually that many property managers out there who understands how to manage right. mobile home parks from an operational standpoint. So I would say, like I said. You know, it's, it's a completely different model. You will manage mobile home park like you, how you're managing a parking lot. So I would I, I would say I think a tradi- in a traditional sense, a property manager who manages apartment buildings probably lack the knowledge of how to manage a parking lot. So I would say you know we we pretty much developed everything, all the processes, all the systems in house, and my partner is actually more on the operational side, and he, he's in charge of all the property management responsibilities. And I would say it's a very demanding job, and yeah. it's very. Yeah very much requires specialized knowledge. Do you have somebody like on site who like has been there a long time, maybe is a you know, homeowner who mm-hmm. you like we always 
Yeah. yeah. We always have someone who is kind of our point of contact at the park right. or kind of a watch person, eyes and ears of the, of the park. That's important. That's usually a resident of the park who is responsible, who is responsive and who takes care of their home and keep an eye on the park. And we have right. also a local team that we assemble upon acquisition or even during due diligence. They, you know, consist of contractors, electricians and plumbers and people who can react to our repairs and maintenance requests. And we also work with local city officials to kind of all help, you know, work together to keep the park running smoothly. And as far as, you know, some people give the residents in the in the mobile home park free lot rent. So you don't have to pay rent. You just be a manager. That's not an approach we'll ever take. We don't believe that that's a good business approach. If there are hours that this particular person worked for on our task, we'll simply compensate them by you know giving them those hours worked but i would we would never give free rent to anyone because you think about it if you give them free rent they pay zero dollars in lot rent and what if someday you want to raise rent and they would never have to pay rent so i just think is from a business perspective that's just not a not an approach that we like to take but we do have local teams keeping an eye on our local teams that would respond to the very like that what is like some advice like you would give somebody who wants to start investing in mobile home parks Advice, depending, I think if you want to invest by yourself, be an active investor, I would say it, it can be quite a demanding job if you want to do do it actively. So I would say really get yourself educated on how to run a mobile home park. I would recommend Ben Corral's mobile home university. He runs a boot camp. I'm not affiliated with his company, so I'm not getting paid to say this, but I think um, <laughs> you, can, you can learn so much from his materials and educational material books and boot camp. So if you are serious about getting into mobile home park space as an investor, you should totally check that out and you can find everything you need on in that bootcamp. You learn a lot. But if you want to invest in mobile home parks as a passive investor, not to be self-serving, but you should talk to me. And mm-hmm. because that's what we do, we help passive investors generate passive income on mobile home park investment. Yeah. And even just like two of those two thoughts, like for the first one too, like there's education that is out there everywhere, whether it's multifamily or mobile home parts. So like just because you haven't heard of a person or a like a piece of education does not mean you shouldn't go towards it. It's just something that's less talked about. So definitely Dave, definitely like just go and search because you'll find that. And then from the passive side as well, like just if you are wanting to diversify, like it's also a great option. So just think about like what are your goals as a passive investor and how do you want your money spread out throughout your portfolio? And that'll really like help you decide of where you want to go. For sure. So what's next for John's Creek? So the next for John's Creek Capital is we are scaling. We are getting more parks. We are doing lots of transactions. We always want to buy good parks and buy high quality acquisitions. That's really the kind of the bread and butter, the backbone of our company is we would build the company up one investor at a time, one deal at a time. So we want to make sure all of our coming upcoming deals and occurring deals are running well and performing well and deliver those returns for our investors. Those are, you know, our goal as far as kind of a midterm, long-term goal say that we're looking to establish a fund in, in, in the future to further assist our investors who want to diversify their portfolio and to grab a piece of our investment. Thank nice. you yeah. With, with the economy changing, like it has the past couple of months, it is right now, it will continue in the future, especially even just since you've started, like how has that changed your investment thesis if it has at all? Right. So I think actually the correlation between mobile home park sector and the overall economy actually is smaller than the other real estate investments. So 
correlation is small, it doesn't mean there is no correlation. It has certainly affected everyone and every industry. For mobile home parks, I think going forwards, um, you know, obviously with the economy going the way it is, there it could be a risk for some tenants to pay their rent on time. Yeah, but we have countered that throughout COVID, really, throughout the eviction moratorium, throughout you know COVID, when people could not pay their rent is that we try to be advocates for our tenants and help them apply for rental assistance, which directly the, with the state authorities and state authorities directly pay the park as well. So it's, it's another way to drive and keep your revenue and also help the tenants without, you know, having to evict people. But I think, you know, the important thing to remember here is you want to make sure you have enough reserves in your account to survive all the economic hardships or any recession, some argue that we, we're already in one, you want to make sure that you have enough money to keep your park running. And at the same time, work with the tenants, focus on your revenue, focus on your top line, and you'll be fine. Absolutely. Thank you That's for cool. that. Thank you. Well, it's been a pleasure so far. Now we're going to move into our Adventurous Four. These are four exploratory questions we ask all of our guests. So if you're ready, Charlotte, we will begin. Let's do it. Okay. So the first question we have for you is, where is one place you wish you traveled to and why? Oh, good question. Jeez. Where is one place I wish I had traveled to? I would say, I think maybe Jerusalem, Israel before. I, I love traveling. I've traveled yeah. to Eastern Europe and Western Europe and Asia, where I came from and all over the United States. But I think that's one place I have not been to the Middle East and Jerusalem, just such an old city. And has so much culture and so many different types of cultures there. So I would love to go there. That's cool. Yeah, I like, I like that. that. So the second question is, what is something on your bucket list and how are you leveraging your real estate investing to achieve it? I love that. Those are good questions. I think something on my bu bucket list. I'm so boring. I just, I love achieving business goals, right? So it, I leveraging business you know, a real estate investing to achieve more business goals, more grand business goals. So that's what it is. And as far as personal bucket list, I think I kind of, completed one last year I went skydiving so that's off the list now so nice. but as far as you know ultimate goal is really to grow the business stronger and bigger I like well, that so the third question we have for you is what is one piece of advice for someone who wants to start passively investing in real estate I know we kind of touched this earlier but yeah. well talk to me passively right if you want to do yeah. passively you should talk to syndicators and you definitely want to vet them and talk to me you know if you you're interested in mobile home parks so I, I would say if you, if you want to be passive, then there are people that you can choose from. But if you want to be active, that's a different story. But you're passive. I'm going to be self-serving here. So you can just talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds Thank good. You. And then the fourth and final question is, if you had unlimited resources available to you, how would you leave an impact? Good question. Unlimited resources. Wow. That's, that's, that's a really good thing to have. How would I leave an impact? See, I believe education really gives you lots of, opens lots of doors. I think if I had unlimited resources, I would not only grow the business, but I would also contribute in some way. I'm not sure how yet because I don't have unlimited resources, but I would think I would be involved in education. People who cannot otherwise attain the level of education because I think and not only, it's not just a piece of paper that you get from a college. It, it's more, it, broad, it broadens your mind and it, it makes you think, I think that's, that, that would definitely make me happy. Thank you. Absolutely. Cool. So before we end the show, Charlotte, would you mind sharing with our listeners how they can reach out to you, find out more about yeah. um, Johns Creek Capital? Right. The best way to reach out to us is to go to our website at johnscreekcapital.com. And there's an investor form that uh, if you fill it out, we'll reach out pretty quickly after that. Cool. Thank you so much for that, Charlotte. I'll make sure that that is in the show notes so that people can find you easily. But again, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Same here.
Awesome. So until next time, explore more adventure awaits. Thank you so much for listening. Before you start your next adventure of the day, please take a moment to reflect on the impact that you want to make. All of our efforts combined are what make the monumental impacts. We can't do it without you. Also, if you enjoyed the episode, please head over to iTunes and leave us an honest review with one of the great insights you received from the show today. And if you believe a friend, family member, or colleague would find great value in listening, please share our podcast with them. As always, your support means the world to us. Until next time, explore more. Adventure awaits. Woo!